evidence and answers. School is about to kick off once again. Another year of research papers, tests, and making new friends. Whether it is yourself that's attending college or your child or grandchild, the campuses are filled with people of different faiths, concepts, and traditions. How will you or your child keep the faith? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In today's broadcast, listen in as Pat interviews his guest, Rob Coons. They will be talking about the challenges that face those who are pursuing higher education and how hard it is to keep the faith. Here's Pat with part two. That's right. We heard from the university professors and uh, those of us who have been involved in campus ministry. And now we have an opportunity to hear from university students themselves. So got three students here with me. Uh, Christine graduated from Duke University and is now pursuing a master's in education at the University of North Texas. Andy is a student at the University of Texas at Austin studying, I don't know if I can say this, kinesiology. And Lauren is a recent graduate of Texas A&M University, and he majored in the area of business. So, guys, welcome to the show. Hey, Pat. All right, guys. We've been talking about the challenges Christian students face on the university campus. And, Christine, let's start with you. What challenges to your Christian faith did you encounter in some of your classes? I think the most recent challenge I faced is with a political science professor who uh, started the class by letting us know that she may possibly offend us with some of the things she had to say, uh, but she was going to be very honest with us. And she wanted us to be able to know why we believed what we believed, which I thought was excellent. Uh, but as the course went on uh, in her informal sharings with us during the class, I could tell she was very biased. And the problem with that is that she came across as being very objective. There are other students in the class who thought she was very objective, but it's important to know there are always multiple sides to every issue. You know, Kevin, that kind of reminds us of what we talked about with Dr. Rob Coons and Dr. Bujishevsky, that uh, the university campus is steeped in the worldview of naturalism, and the Christian position is implied to be not true or false. Absolutely. You know, you know and uh, you can fake being unbiased, and, but if you look carefully, you can, just like you did, you saw that uh, her biases were kind of showing through. Yeah, Lauren, well, what challenges uh, to your Christian faith did you encounter in the classroom? You know, I, I think it had a lot to do with ownership of the faith. Sort of like Christine, there was a professor. I, I took a philosophy class at A&M, and this was my freshman year. And I remember specifically that first day of classes, I remember Pat, he came up and he pointed in our face and he said, why do you think you are what you are today? And why do you believe what you believe today? Um, how many of you people are Christians? And I remember raising my hand up and he looked at me and he said, Lauren, let's let's hear your story. Why do you think you are a Christian? And I kind of told my story, and and he kind of surfaced that of well, you're founded on you are a product of society, you are a product of your parents' religion. This is what you are because of what you grew up with. Um, he really stripped away my ownership of the faith, and I think that was a challenge. But um, as we do know, Scripture is true that all things work together for God's glory, and. and and that really spurred on my foundation for wanting to study truth, wanting to know apologetics and why I believe what I believe because of that questioning of my faith and ownership of it uh, really made me question, well, why do I believe this? And that was a huge challenge because it took me to a point where I really wanted to know, well, what is this and why do I believe it? I don't want it to be just because it's my mom and dad's. 
And so that was a big challenge, but it also became something good. Pat, that is awesome, and that is so common. Here's the way the argument goes. If you were born in Texas, you'd probably be a Christian. If you were born in Saudi Arabia, you'd probably be a Muslim. Therefore, Christianity is false. <laughs> right. And it doesn't follow, mm -hmm. does it? Yeah. yeah, and Lauren, you know, I'm interested to know, how did you feel when the professor called on you? Did you sense kind of that intimidation and that pressure to kind of back down and go with the program? I mean, how, how did you feel? You know, I, I, was, I was excited to raise my hand. I was excited to take my stand. But when he started to probe a little bit and kind of push, it did kind of make me defensive and it made me a little bit hurt that I couldn't respond how I wanted to respond at that moment. But like I said, it did spur me on for something better. And that's what we were talking about last week, Kevin, you know, that really uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. Uh, I think Socrates said that, and also the unexamined faith is not worth believing. And being challenged in what you believe on a university campus can be a good thing for Christians who are committed and prepared to engage the realm of ideas and discussion on a university campus, as Lauren's response was here. That's right. And once you've heard that objection, that gives you some time to consider it. Right. And then nobody will ever nail you on that, so to speak, again. You say, you know, I have been asked that, and I've come to this conclusion about that question. Absolutely. So, there you go. Right. Andy, well, how about you? Um, I also took a philosophy class my freshman year, and um, I was just brought upon with lots of, you know, moral conflicts about uh, abortion and, you know, death sentence and things like that. And um, I felt that I had to answer the way the professor wanted me to just to get a good grade. You know, I couldn't express my own ideas so that, you know, I can do well in class. So I felt very forced to uh, provide the answers that he wanted. You know, that's a little bit what we were talking about uh, in the last several weeks. You know, the worldview of naturalism presents several conclusions that really the university setting, the professors, and the entire environment really wants you to buy into. Isn't that the kind of pressure you guys felt in your classes? Yes. Well, those are the kinds of uh, issues you faced in class. What about outside the classroom? I'm sure there are numerous temptations that you had to face, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom as well. Christine, let's start with you. I know for me, one of the first temptations I faced um, as a freshman was a lot of interest from, not a lot, but some interest from uh, guys who are not Christians. And growing up um, in a Christian family, having accepted Christ at a very early age, and having been taught about the importance of dating and marrying Christians, I never thought I would face this temptation. Um, but it was there, and I think especially for freshmen women, it is a huge temptation. Freshmen women are, as we say, new meat. Mm -hmm. um, they're the most attractive to the upperclassmen guys, and that was a huge temptation that I faced. Yeah, you know, for me, I faced that temptation too, and... It was a real struggle. You know, I had to ask myself the questions, you know, what, what really is marriage all about? What is dating all about? Do I really believe that God is going to provide someone for me in the future? Look at this great looking gal. I mean, she's not a Christian, but, you know, why not? You know, I was lonely. I was away from home, away from family. Man, you know, it's something that I struggled with constantly on a university campus. Missionary dating. And uh, we're taught not to do that. You can be friends with them. But you don't want to get into a relationship with them uh, where it's, a, a, you know, an intimate, and I'm not talking about it in a sexual way, but also uh, uh, fall in love with them and because they're a potential mate. And so missionary dating 
is really a no-no. And it also kind of patronizes that person a little bit too. If you're just dating them to win them to Christ, then you have an agenda. And so that's good. Yeah, we, we've talked about that. They're not only attacked in the classroom, but uh, the temptations on the college campus can be pretty wild. Lauren, how about you? You know what? There's, there's obvious things that we just discussed in regards to the, the worldly temptations of, of, of things like that. And I would say the, the Christian temptations that I faced had to, had to deal a lot with being satisfied, being real complacent and stagnant in your walk. There was no spurring on to, to um, grow in stature, to mature in, in my faith. And that was a constant pressure to constantly want to pursue uh, walking with the Lord. I think that there's also issues with just being um, desiring of just fitting in and not really knowing where to plug in. And you can, you can easily find yourself trapped in, a, in an environment that you don't want to be in and only find yourself there because you just want to fit in. You want to have somebody to hang out with. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, you're not graded on, did you read the book of John today? Or did you pray? Um, <clears throat> did you spend time with the Lord today? Those are things we aren't getting graded on. So it's your spiritual life easily gets pushed to the side as academic pressures and extracurricular activities of sports and intramurals and social events continue to pile on. It's easy to squeeze out your spiritual life, isn't it? Right, right. How about you, Andy? Um, at UT, my fr- freshman year, I had a homosexual RA, and uh, I just felt that, you know, he had this equality, equality club that he wanted to promote, and he wanted all his, you know, all, all the uh, residents to support his group, and I just felt very, um, you know, it's just a big problem I couldn't face, and so I didn't really support him, and, you know, every time I saw him, it felt really uncomfortable. Um, but another, you know, big temptation in college is uh, the alcohol problem. And, you know, going out to parties, I find that's okay. But, you know, people bombarding you with alcohol and forcing you, that's, you know, it's a big temptation. And, uh, you know, it has come across my mind, you know, should I, you know, take a drink? And then, but then also you find where other people would look at you and think differently of you. So you're not... I only feel a lot of pressure in the classroom to go along with the agenda, but the whole idea of tolerance, of experimenting in different lifestyles, of accepting other ethical and moral positions, you kind of felt that pressure throughout uh, your university experience, not only in the classroom, but outside the classroom as well, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Don't you? Yes. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting that he mentions that story, Kevin, because last week we talked about the dorm situation, how when we say co-ed, it's not guys on one floor and girls on another floor, but really it's guy, girl, guy, girl being next door neighbors and the RA. Yeah. You know, you and, know? and for Andy as well, you know, the RA is, is somewhat of an authority and he's somewhat of the structure there of uh-huh. this university. And he wields a little bit of power and influence among the dorm life. And so you ran smack dab into that and you could be viewed immediately as a guy who's not tolerant, you know, who's not uh, fitting into what we're trying to accomplish in life. And a lot of idealizing going on on the college campus like that. And uh, it's very tempting to kind of fall into that idealizing uh, uh, mindset. Right. And, you know, which is not a bad thing, but uh, it depends on what the ideal is. Exactly. And being constantly pressured and bombarded by that kind of ideology in the classroom and outside the classroom can take its toll on the Christian student, you know? Isn't that right? (laughs) Well, folks, what helped you most in dealing with these kinds of temptations outside of the classroom? 
I think the main thing for me was consistency. I remember when I first got to campus, I really excitedly called home and told my parents, I was like, guess what? I can do something Christian every single night if I want to. There's small group, there's large group, there's church, and there's all these different things. But I realized that it wasn't how many times a week and how many groups that I was a part of. So we're getting the real deal. I mean, what life is like on the university campus from a recent graduate and two who are on the university campus now. And, you know, the question I want to ask you folks is what helped you most grow in your faith while in college? You know, college can be a time where your faith really gets shattered. We, there are some studies that show that up to 80% of college Christian students after four years of college no longer return to the church anymore. You, however, you know, you guys are a different story. You made it through college, but it was a time in which your faith really grew. So tell us, you know, what helped you grow in your college experience? Um, I just kept myself, you know, keep yourself uh, involved. Um, I go to, you know, ministry group every Friday night. Uh, we have church Sundays, Bible studies, you know, keep yourself plugged in, involved you know, n not only in church, but also doing other activities, other hobbies, like uh, I'm in a martial arts club at school. So, you know, Satan can't really get to you if you're always doing things, you know. So and then also the, um, you know, keeping your devotions daily in prayer. Those are big things to help you out. You know, guys, I've talked to college students, Christian college students who feel like everybody is having fun but them quite often. And I would think that that's because they're not plugged into some of the groups because there's a lot of fun to be had in college. Yes. And there's a lot of studying to be had, <laughs> but in a schedule to keep. But there's sometimes if you're isolated, you think everybody's partying, everybody's having fun but me. And I would think at that point you would really need to plug into a good mm -hmm. campus group, you know. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, and Kevin, you know, your point is, is true. I think coming out of high school, you have this conception of what the movies and the media paints is what your college experience should be like. Animal um, house, baby. Right, right. <laughs> Every, right. Everyone's got the t-shirts in college and the posters are in their dorm rooms and you think that's what it's supposed to be. And when you go there, I have this desire. I don't want to go that route, but if that's what fun is, I want to have fun and I still stand now. I mean, I tell my brothers, my, my wife and I both agree that college was the amazing time. Loved it, absolutely. Um, but as far as your you know, what helped in our walk with the Lord in college, I think everyone's walk is different. And, and that's such a moldable time of our lives is, is those four years, or if you're a good Aggie, you're there for five years. But if, <laughs> right. you know, that, those five mm -hmm. years are very moldable. And I think everyone's growth path is going to be different. But for me, the most impactful thing was not seeing the walking and the talking being done from people in the pulpit, the pastors, the Pat Zuckerins, the, the youth group guys. Um, I saw it for the first time for my peers, people who were 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. Um, for myself, I was involved with a Christian fraternity called Brothers Under Christ. And in, in Bucks, uh, I had an older guy. He just spent time with me. You know, He just studied the Bible with me, really showed me what it meant to study the Word, to pray, um, just spiritual di disciplines that— I was taught all my life as a younger guy, but I always saw it as the older authority telling me this is what I should do. Um, and that was very helpful for me just to see it from peers. Uh, during the summer, I think it's a difficult time when you're away from the schedule of college. Um, it's something new. And you go back home, and you're kind of back stuck in your own ways. And, and for me, my time of growth happened. I worked at a Christian camp, um, and at, at this camp it was T-Bar M. And I remember going there, and it was amazing because, again, 
there's a saturation of, of walking with other peers, people my age, and seeing their passion for the Lord. I think that was very impactful for me. Yeah, what I hear all three of you saying is that being involved in a good church and a campus ministry right away, right from the get-go, is absolutely important, you know, because the campus ministry provides the accountability, uh, the encouragement, uh, the fellowship, and just a whole lot of fun, you know, to be part of a great college ministry, and that's absolutely vital for a Christian student to plug in right away immediately, isn't it? I mean, the longer you wait, the harder it is to plug in, isn't right. it? Right. You know, um, I feel so strongly about this that, you know, I even advise students, if they're looking at some kind of prestigious university, but it does not have a Christian group on campus, you know, I strongly advise them to take a look at another campus, Kevin, because, you know, Jesus said, right, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? Mm. What does it profit going to a prestigious university and ruining your spiritual life? You know, and I want to ask these guys um, <clears throat> another question, Pat, because you've done a lot of teaching on uh, what can happen on a campus as far as cults and cultic activities and aberrant uh, Christian theology. That means... Uh, uh, Christians who are heretical in their teaching, those uh, really proliferate on the campus. They're, uh, they really go after college students. Were you guys, did you see them in action, see them around uh, campus, and what was your reaction to them? Did you uh, feel uh, a compassion for them, or did you feel threatened? Did you want to confront them? I'm just wondering what your reaction is when you see these groups running around campus. The only experience I remember is that we knew that there was a group that was doing stuff on campus and that there was one girl that had been going to our Bible study and then all of a sudden she wasn't there anymore. And so we didn't, I didn't have any direct contact with this cult, but we were very concerned as far as this girl feeling like only that other study that she went to was the right one. Uh, the ones that we went to were not right. And the signs of her being in a cult and trying to do something to help her, but not exactly knowing what, this sounds like the International Church of Christ. Yeah. I think it was. I think mm. it was that group. What about the core? Uh, the core cult. <laughs> now <laughs> no, you're calling that a cult. <laughs> <laughs> My brother's an Aggie, so I had well, to throw that in. Yeah, yeah, most people don't understand it until they go there. That's but right. We've been called cults before. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, just the, poking the fun at us. Yeah. I think they're just jealous, though. Sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. But, you know, that you that's another thing you have to watch for. Pat, as you've discussed many times, mm -hmm. is... Not only do you have the uh, atheistic and naturalistic ideologies and the anti-Christian, but then you've got uh, you've got false religions that uh, proliferate. Mm -hmm. So you're going into a real mishmash, right? You know, and and it's critical that you develop that social structure while you're on campus because I mean, for many of us, we left home, uh, our church, our fellowship behind, and we're all alone on the university campus, and that's a time when you can be real vulnerable to different ideas and different groups, especially if they come off in a very aggressive and friendly and way and just go out of their way to help you out. It's very easy uh, if you're not grounded and, and ill-equipped to really get uh, sidetracked into one of these cult groups. You know, they proliferate on the university campus mm -hmm. just because of these reasons. So you got to get plugged into a fellowship, a good Christian fellowship right away. Well, gang, uh, I guess in our closing moments, what advice would you give to Christian students out there who are in college or preparing to go to college? What what words of wisdom uh, would you like to share with them? 
You know, if I was to look back, Pat, at um, high school, senior year, transitioning forward, that summer, going off to, to freshman year in college, um, if I had the opportunity to do that all over again and know that I wanted to be secure in my walk with the Lord, um, you know, you can, all the spiritual disciplines are obvious, praying and reading the Bible and things of that nature. But um, what I think I would have initiated is finding another believer, another friend who I knew was going from high school to A&M with me, um, seeking out that relationship with the desire, with the intention of, hey, let's hold each other accountable. Um, let's walk through college together, holding each other accountable to the desire that we want to honor God in what we do. Um, you know, the Bible does say in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And I think that's very important that if I would have uh, sought after that, I think it would have uh, held me to my core beliefs. It would have held him also to the same thing. I think that's essential. So that would be my encouragement to anyone transitioning to college. You know, guys, anybody who's going to college has to make a decision if they're going to live in the dorm, right. live on campus, or live in an apartment off campus. Uh, what do you recommend? I recommend living in a dorm just because this is the only time in your life that you'll ever get to have this kind of experience. And I know that several campus ministries also target small group Bible studies by dorm. And that's your environment, um, your opportunity to want to meet other Christians and also to fellowship with other Christians right on your hall. You're not as isolated. You're really um, plugged in and close to campus. And there are so many strong Christians on these campuses. Maybe Maybe you have to seek them out, but once you find them, they're there, even at the most liberal colleges. And so I really encourage us to look mm -hmm. for these. Look for Christians and pray and ask God to show you where they are because yeah. they can be found. That's awesome. That is such good advice. You can live in an apartment anytime the rest of your life, but you only get that dorm room experience, uh, you know, one time. And so if you can if you can pull that off, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and Lauren, uh, what you, you gave some great advice you can have that kind of ability not only with someone going to your university campus, but with a friend maybe going to a different university and hold each other accountable through email mm -hmm. and phone mm -hmm. and, and yeah. through IM and, and, and uh, avenues like that. Hold each other accountable that we're still walking with the Lord and we're faithful in our spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Andy, what about you? Um, I just say that have a, come in with a strong, you know, strong basis. Know what God wants you to do. Don't don't um, be someone that you're not, because when you go to college, everybody is it's like a new start. Everybody doesn't know you. You know, you have to uh, build your own relationships with other people. So, um, you know, be strong in what you believe. Don't let others uh, persuade you to do something else. Read up books like How Now Shall We Live or other books that really will encourage you not only in your walk with God, but also to know how um, the Christian view relates to science or to political science or to history. It's really important to have that basis that when a professor challenges your view, you know how to respond from a biblical perspective. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be a blessing, please consider partnering with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous donations from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management. 
providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Oh, 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 oh,